This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to the radio and internet ministry of the Christian Crusaders. You may have heard it said, God's ways are not our ways. His plans don't always make sense to us. In this week's message, we're going to talk about a girl who was asked to do something exceptional for God and willingly consented. Join us for today's message, The Lord Works in Mysterious Ways, as we learn how opening our own little corner of the world to His purposes can have an extraordinary effect on our life. You've heard it said that God works in mysterious ways. We're going to examine a story that depicts that truth today. So stay with me. We begin in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Would you join me in a prayer? Almighty, amazing, all-knowing God of this universe, we are so grateful for your grace and loving purposes in this world. You created us for yourself, for a relationship with you, and when sin broke that relationship, you chose to come after us, to rescue us. Amazing love. So all blessing and honor and praise be to you, O God. Amen. Our reading for today is taken from Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord's with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. 
and the angel departed from her. Dear friends, there's a quote that people sometimes will use that they think is a biblical quote, but it really is not. It goes like this, God works in strange and mysterious ways. Though you would be hard-pressed to find that quote in Scripture, it is truth. People have been saying that about God for centuries. Years ago, a man named William Cowper wrote the hymn, God moves in a mysterious way, his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. Or Isaiah the prophet expresses amazement at the mysteries of God when he says, Truly, O God, our Savior, you work in mysterious ways. Or he says, Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counselor? The Apostle Paul stood in awe of God's mysteries and wrote, How unsearchable are his ways. Well, such is the case. Uh, as you consider today's story about Mary, the Lord works in mysterious ways. I mean, think about it. The world needed a savior from sin, and so God devises a plan which is rather mysterious and out of the ordinary. When you think about it, he decides to send his son, Jesus, as a baby, God incarnate, God in the flesh, who will die on a cross eventually to pay for the sins of the world. Mysterious. And, and why is even more mysterious when you take the time to think about what kind of person I, I am inside? the depths of my sin. Why would he do that for me? It's mysterious, this love of God. And if you were in charge of sending this one, where would you choose to have this baby raised? Surely a kingly palace to raise him in would have been a smart thing, don't you think? I mean, a place where he could be safe and secure and receive the best? After all, look, he's the Savior. Or wasn't there a priestly, educated family who could fill him with knowledge and show him the, the way around through Israel's religious system? Or how about a mature family that's practiced in raising children, known amongst the community for how well they do with kids, that could make him safe and secure and keep him healthy? I mean, that makes sense to us, right? But no, not to God. Instead, God chooses Mary. A teenager, probably 14, 15 years old, with little status in the ancient world, probably uneducated, from a little backwater town named Nazareth, that sophisticated Jewish folks would say, can anything good come out of Nazareth? They're a bunch of hicks. She was engaged to a carpenter who barely was able to eke out a living, you wonder how good he was at his business. After all, when they went to give an offering after the circumcision of, of Jesus, they could only offer two pigeons, which is what only the poverty-stricken were given uh, instructions to give. And yet, God chose Mary to, to bring into this world the Savior, the Son of God. God works in mysterious ways. You might wonder, well, why? Well, first of all, the response would be because he's God. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. He sometimes chooses to use the weak to lead the strong. Perhaps it's a 
His grace that's behind this. He wants to show us that it's all about His grace and how He can take ordinary people and use them in great ways. Or it might be about His might. As He does things His way, we learn we can trust Him, that He really knows what makes things work. And we give Him the glory when it goes right instead of giving ourselves the credit. Uh, Yes, perhaps God knew Mary's heart, her faith in Him, her willingness to submit to His plan. We can't know for sure. All we know is this, that God called Mary, and the rest is history. Because she responded after asking a few questions, such as, how can this be? I'm a virgin. And after it's explained to her, power from the Most High will overshadow you, she responds, here I am, your servant. Let it be to me according to your word. Have you ever stopped to think how brave those words are? I mean, she did not know what that meant, what difficulties and complications lay ahead for her, but still she said, let it be to me. I love uh, this little uh, article in a book by Frederick Buchner about biblical characters, and he writes about Gabriel, the angel who made the announcement to Mary. Listen to these words. Mary struck the angel Gabriel as hardly old enough to have a child at all, let alone this child, but he'd been entrusted with a message to give her, and he gave it. He told her what the child was to be named and who he was to be and something about the mystery that was to come upon her. You mustn't be afraid, Mary, he said. As he said it, though, he only hoped she wouldn't notice that beneath the great golden wings he himself was trembling with fear to think that the whole future of creation hung now on the answer of a girl. Let it be to me, Mary said. And it was. Jesus was born the Savior of the world, and it was not an easy calling. She didn't know. She couldn't have planned for the things she would go through. How much rumor and innuendo and castigation did Mary suffer in her village with this pregnancy? Not married yet. How hard was it for her to deliver in Bethlehem as God planned, but she surely didn't know that. No mother around, no room to even have this child. It says at the end, Mary pondered these things in her heart. Remember that she one time lost him in Jerusalem. They'd been at a festival with the family, and they thought he was with his friends. And when they got out of town, they realized he wasn't with them. Can you imagine what Mary said to Joseph? Honey, we lost the Son of God. And after searching, they found him in the temple. And after chewing him out. He said, didn't you know I'd be here in my father's house? And says she treasured these things, pondered them in her heart. What have I gotten into? She must have wondered. She wound up as a refugee, didn't she? Fleeing to Egypt to keep him safe from Herod the king who ordered the death of all the infant boys around Bethlehem. She watched him grow in wisdom and divine and human favor. And then the heartbreak of watching him leave home to go on the road to do this gospel ministry, as he called it, about a kingdom, or hearing people with authority talking badly about him after that, that he was a crackpot, a blasphemer, a troublemaker. 
At one point she was so worried that it was cracking up she went to fetch him home, only to be told his response to her arrival, my real mothers and brothers are those who do God's will. How it must have broken her heart. And she watched him die on a cross. And a sword shall pierce your own soul too was the line that must have gone through her head that she'd heard when he was a baby from the prophet Simeon. She felt like a sword had pierced her. And the wonder of Easter, he's alive, but why didn't he come home first and show himself to me, his mother? And after the ascension in the upper room and Pentecost in the upper room, and what an amazing journey her life turned out to be as God used her in a most amazing way, with her every step of the way, working out his plan for our salvation. Mary drops out of the scriptural picture after that, and the church was left to wonder, what do we do with Mary? She's never been forgotten over the centuries. She made the Apostles' Creed, and so we talk about her every week in worship. Somewhere along the way, the Roman Catholic Church saw fit to raise her to a status that Scripture doesn't really support, to include her as someone to be worshipped. I, I don't buy that option. But while I know God is to be the only hero in the Bible, in our minds, Mary is pretty heroic, isn't she? She was an obedient, submissive daughter of the God who loves us. And while she does not deserve our worship, she deserves our admiration and applause and even our emulation. She deserves a well done, Mary. She said yes to God's call and God used her in an extraordinary way. Mary, you're amazing. You're an amazing, godly woman. That would be our response to Mary. And there's, there's also a valuable lesson in this story of Mary that's good for you and me to consider. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, listen closely. God oftentimes chooses to use the ordinary to do extraordinary things for his cause. I mean, when you think about that, you, you find this truth elsewhere in the New Testament. When Jesus began his ministry, he called to himself 12 disciples who were very ordinary individuals. They had no theological training. They had no great pull in their communities. He trained them and then at the end said, go make disciples of all nations. Be my witnesses. Let your light shine before others and you'll change the world. And by golly, here we are in 2017 talking about that same risen Jesus who gave them that commission on the mountaintop. What about Saul, who hated Christians and Christianity? He eventually became Paul when he was chosen by God to be the one to bring Christ to people who were not Jewish. He turned the world upside down. There were all kinds of ordinary people throughout that Old New Testament who were willing to say, Here am I, servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And God used them to do extraordinary things for himself as well. And you'll find even more stories like this in the Old Testament. So, God uses the ordinary to do the extraordinary. In Scripture, now we believe that, according to Scripture, that God is unchanging. So obviously, he must still like to use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Those who will commit and submit to serving his cause. 
when he taps them on the shoulder. Doesn't matter what your age, your gender, your talents, your place in the culture, or, or any other circumstance in your life for that matter, he can use you. I've been reading a book uh, called Seven Women by Eric Metaxas. Seven Women and the Secret of Their Greatness. It's about women who were Christian women that had a big impact on the world. One of them was Rosa Parks, the woman in 1955 who refused to move herself from a seat in a bus and go to the back of the bus. She was arrested and thus began the civil rights movement. Did you know that Rosa Parks was a committed Christian? who had been taught the values of Christianity, that all people are valuable and no one should be treated like her people were being treated. And when she did that great act of courage, she leaned on her faith in God at that time. She was leaning on God. I think of another story about a woman named Agnes who wanted to dedicate her life to God at the age of 12, and she eventually became a nun at the age of 18 and was shipped off to India, where she was teaching middle-class Indian children. But her heart was what she saw outside the walls of where she was teaching, in the streets where people were dying of starvation, nobody there to help them. And one day she was in the street and saw a woman dying with rats gnawing at her flesh and she grabbed that woman and carried her around until she could find a place to give her attention and help her to die in a dignified manner and thus began the ministry of Mother Teresa but not just names we know I I think of my friend Mary she wanted to lead her friends to Jesus Christ but she was a 10th grader and she didn't know how to do that so she came to me and said would you train me how to witness for Jesus with my friends she was my first trainee in evangelism explosion she's led so many people to Jesus since or Marin Peterson a little girl in my congregation a junior high kid started visiting with the elderly in a nursing home playing music for them and befriending She's made an impact in the name of Christ. Uh, I think of little Jessie. She's not so little now. She's a senior in high school this year. But for the past five years, I've watched her touching the lives of children in our Sunday school. She spends more time working with little kids in this church than you ever could imagine. She's making a difference. I've got a woman named Krista Elgore who's just returned to us now after four years of working in Cambodia for a Christian organization called Agape, which fights sex trafficking of young women. And for the last four years, at the sacrifice of her own health, hundreds of young women have been impacted for Christ through her giving herself away. And the truth of the matter is, when you become a follower of Jesus Christ, you got a commission. You have a mission field, your own sphere of influence, your little corner of the world. And when you say, here am I, the Lord's servant, let it be according to thy word, you just never know what might happen next. Extraordinary things. It might be a neighbor who lives next to you and is needing a a friend. It might be a lonely person you bump into at a nursing home. Or it might be a cause that strikes a passion deep within you, like kids or feeding the hungry or whatever it might be in your community. It might be a troubled kid needing some guidance or a mentor. And it's not always going to be easy or convenient. In fact, it can be downright scary at times. I'm sure that Mary had her moments when she was scared and tired and confused. But there was one constant. God was still there with her, still caring, still carrying her. 
and the mission was accomplished. The ordinary did the extraordinary. I have a personal question for you today. Would you describe your faith as exciting? Does your following Jesus keep you at the edge of your seat in constant prayer, asking for help? Are you alive with anticipation as to what God is going to do with you next? If not, God would love to have a crack at your life beginning today. It's a matter of simply submitting to him and courageously saying, Here I am, your servant, Lord. May it be to me according to your word. And that is music to your heavenly Father's ears. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for Mary's story and the reminder that you do work in mysterious ways. We, your servants, open our lives to you this day. And we join the saints of old in saying, Here I am, your servant, Lord. May it be to me according to your word. Use us, Lord, to your glory and honor. In the name of Jesus, our Savior and Lord, we ask this. Amen. Now as you go on your way, may Christ go with you. May he go before you to show you the way, behind you to encourage you, beside you to befriend you, above you to watch over, and within you to give you his peace. Amen. You have been worshiping with the radio and internet ministry of the Christian Crusaders. We pray today's message has encouraged you to submit your life to God, courageously saying with Mary, Here I am, your servant, Lord. May it be to me according to your word. If you enjoyed today's message and would like to hear it again, be sure to check out our webpage, christiancrusaders.org. You can find both audio and printed versions of the program on our homepage, as well as the messages from past broadcasts. Visit us today at christiancrusaders.org. Christian Crusaders is a nonprofit ministry supported entirely by the gifts of our listening audience. Estate gifts, large and small, have become a significant part of our ministry. Please consider a final gift to your favorite ministries as a part of your estate planning. For more information, feel free to contact us at Christian Crusaders, Post Office Box 522, Cedar Falls, Iowa 50613. Our toll-free telephone number is 1-888-MY-FAITH. That's 1-888-693-2484. In the Cedar Falls, Waterloo, Iowa area, dial 277-0924. We thank each of you for your gifts and prayers. We are happy you were able to worship with us today, and we pray you will join us again next Sunday on this station. Conducting our service was the Reverend Steve Kramer, Senior Pastor of Shepherd of the Valley Lutheran Church in Afton, Minnesota, and radio speaker on Christian Crusaders, broadcasting biblical truth continuously since 1936.